0: Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. You know I have a sweatshirt that
1: was designed by one of our podcast guests, Philip Roundtree. And it says in really big, bold font, you know, the kind you can read down the block. And it says, this is what depression looks like. And I wear it pretty regularly. You do. I know, and I always feel the need to smile or at least look groomed and functional when I put it on because I really want to challenge the stereotype that everyone with depression walks around looking and talking like Eeyore all the time. So when I saw a picture of a smirking woman licking the cup of her coffee drink on social media with the words, this is what depression looks like, really, it
0: stopped me. The rest of the post is interesting, too, as it describes a unique approach to helping a friend in depression. The post by Michelle Madison says in part, a good friend got me out of the worst of it by challenging me to get out of the house and get my favorite iced coffee and take a ridiculous selfie. It helped, exclamation point. Huh, it helped? How? And did it help because she wasn't really depressed, but just a little blue? Inquiring minds want to know and learn, so we reached out to Michelle, who joins us now, giving her voice to depression.
1: This is the first episode we've ever done that was inspired by a selfie. (laughs) Happy to help. (laughs) It was such a great post. And when I saw it, I thought there's something significant here. And I'm hoping we can unpack it and find it together. Because I think that people think helping someone, reaching out, supporting somebody is a really complicated and potentially scary thing. And this is an example of it not being
2: either. That's a really good point, actually, and it was also something that I guess for me a couple of times now where I've been in a really, really dark place, humor from a friend has actually been what enabled me to kind of pull out of that, and I, I, um, I've actually seen some other things. I work at the National Alliance on Mental Illness of Oregon State Office, and right when COVID hit, I had people coming out of the woodwork asking, like, could you send us funny memes? Could you send us jokes? You know, even people that had never struggled with depression before and kind of realized that just the power of that humor.
1: Let's go through your post. I want to ask questions specifically about some of the things you wrote, but tell me just the general scenario of, of you posting that.
2: From time to time, I I use social media as a way to just kind of send out that message like, hey, it's okay if you live with this. The recovery is possible. People just to start that conversation going.
1: And as a result of opening that conversational door, someone felt safe enough to walk through it. Shortly before, Michelle posted the comment we're discussing today.
2: So I had, it was a friend of a friend reach out to me who had seen other posts, you know, just smaller ones I had done about mental health and just even just referencing, hey, I live with depression. And he reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I'm feeling pretty good today. But a couple of weeks ago, I was considering taking my own life and described a specific way, you know, which immediately got my red flag up, like, okay, hey, let's talk. And he opened up to me and it turned out this is something he had been struggling with for decades and had never felt like he could talk to anybody about it.
1: Reminded of both the power of being understood and the times she wasn't, Michelle decided to post about her most recent descent into depression's pit and the -the out-of-the-box challenge that helped her climb out.
2: You know, just was sharing like, yeah, this recently I was in this bad space and it pulled me out of it because a friend challenged me to go take a silly selfie. And he was like, all right, you go take a silly selfie, go out of the house and get coffee and do it. I'll send you a silly selfie back. And, you know, as you, may, as you know, I mean, when you're in the throes of that, oh God, I can't even move. I can't even write to a text. I can't do anything. It's really hard, you know, that inertia. Um, but I did it and it worked and it brought me out of that. And I thought, you know, here's just an opportunity to share, you know, that, you know, yeah, different things work for different people, but you, you will be okay. You know, and things may really be terrible in that moment, but it's temporary. And one of the things I wrote in the post was, you know, you've gotten through every, your worst days. So far, just keep going. Um, and that's something I need to remind myself too, honestly. You said so many things, um, uh, but I'll take it in pieces.
1: Uh, one of the things, you know, you wrote, A good friend got me out of the worst of it. Now, there are a lot of different kinds of depression, a lot of different experiences of depression. What, if you're willing to share, um, is the worst of it? What does that look like with you?
2: That can depend. Um, it, I'd say the worst of the worst is that that bad place, it's like your mind playing tricks on you where, you know, when your brain telling you it's never going to get better, you're always going to feel like this, you know, and, and the way, only way out is just to die. It, it doesn't matter what kind of argument people have. It doesn't matter how much you are loved or supported or how great things are in your life on the outside. If your brain is telling you, you will never be out of this pain, there's very little that can actually penetrate that. Um, and this this was one of those things that did. Were you in that bad of a place then? Yeah, I was. Um, It doesn't happen very often these days, which is, you know, I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, But major depressive disorder runs in my family, Um, suicidal ideation, we've had, you know, just kind of, again, these, you know, genetics and and then everything going on in the world right now. You know, a lot more people, I think, are feeling this way than they may, may be talking about.
1: How did your friend know you needed support just then?
2: We are in the support group together. And I think he just kind of picked up on the cues and, you know, he's like, hey, you know, how are you doing? I'm like, well, not fantastic. And that's about as much as either one of us is going to share at that point. It's like, okay, you know, and then we go through this checklist, have you eaten? Have you had some water? Can you go take a walk? I'm like, nah, no, no, that's going to help. And so I think he just, you know, recognized it because he goes through the same thing sometimes. How did it help? It was a surprise. It was funny. It was, this was a way we could connect also, but I wouldn't really have to do all that much. You know, this wasn't like, oh, hey, have you made an appointment with your therapist? Oh, hey, do you want to talk about this a group? This wasn't anything heavy or serious. It was just fun. Got me out of the house in that moment. And really just, I knew that that was his way of supporting me.
1: I want to read some more of the post you you wrote. You said, I didn't know anyone who shared their experience with chronic depression and suicidal ideation when I first started having bad depression in high school. So in other words, I didn't know there was hope, that I wasn't a freak, that I was normal, treatable, and essentially that life could get better.
2: It's funny you mentioned that because I was actually talking to my partner about this a little while ago. Um, Not hearing it, you just wonder, you know, and even if people did pick up on the fact that you're depressed, well, you know, what do you have to be depressed about? Oh, oh, you know, it's just a bad day. Oh, you're in high school. Oh, it's just because you broke up with your boyfriend. All these excuses. Right. And so I just felt like, wow, what is wrong with me? And
1: because mental health had been treated like a dark secret in her family and by society as a whole, Michelle followed the familiar script
2: people would ask why it was working for this cause and i would just say oh it's cuz my my grandmother has bipolar disorder and i want to be an advocate and all that stuff is true you know but i didn't i wasn't going to tell anybody what i lived with or what my thoughts had been you know or the dark places i'd been in but michelle says she learned pretty quickly that speaking openly
1: about her mental health challenges could help others as she realizes it would have helped her if others had spoken openly to her decades ago.
2: When I grew up, my grandmother was hospitalized a number of times during my childhood. And my family told me, oh, you know, she fell down the stairs. She's literally every time, and and she's in the hospital again. And so when I finally figured out what was going on, you know that was a very clear message like we don't talk about this this is shameful this is not normal nobody should know you know had i gotten a different message like hey your you know your grandmother's having some problems in her brain she's going to go to the hospital it's just like if she broke her arm that would have been enormously helpful and validating for me i think i would have found help earlier
1: i'm struck by the um excuse they chose to use because we could describe it that way falling down the stairs you know, it's like you just go down and you get banged up on the way and at the bottom of the steps, you know, there we sit and have to do what we have to do to get back up. So it's actually an interesting metaphor, even though it was a lie.
2: Yeah, I know. And it's it's funny, though, my, my grandmother died a few years ago, but um, she had a nice long life. And when she was finally appropriately diagnosed in middle age, she was very open about what she lived with even though other members of my family were not. And I think that takes an enormous amount of courage. And honestly, she she inspires me every time I you know, get into a hard place. I think, okay, you know, she kept going mm-hmm. and I can do it too.
1: You wrote that you believe you have lived with some sort of d- depression since you were about 10 years old. I don't think people think of it as that, young, I don't think they, they think their 10 year old might be having depression.
2: Yeah. Looking back, I can identify it as that, because, and I remember even like talking to my parents and being like, why am I sad? You know? And they didn't know. I didn't know, you know? And, And really until fairly recently, it wasn't, no one thought children could have mental health issues, right? Where now we have entire organizations dedicated to children's mental health, you know? But you know, 30 years ago, that just wasn't a thing. Um, it just There was always some other reason or, oh, well, if you moved or your parents are divorced or you know, it's Tuesday, I'm, I'm just being facetious, but, um, you know, looking back, I, I absolutely know that that's what that was, you know? Um, and now I think at least going forward, you know, the more people open up, the more we talk about it, the more we recognize it, the more, uh, I literally just posted something for work today about adolescent mental health, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've come so far, even though there's so far to go. So I think that's all very encouraging. And, you know, again, just sharing my experience, I decided at some point, you know what, if anyone's going to judge me for what I've been through, fine. You know, I don't need to be around that person. But if I share anything that can make someone think, okay, this person has gone through it and is doing all right, I can do that too. Then then it's worth it to me.
1: Let's talk more generally about the idea of being there for someone. Your friend had a very creative way of being there for you, and it helped, you say. What are some things that people have done for you in the past that have helped or that you've learned through work in terms of how we can support a friend who is in that dark place?
2: I think um, checking in. I I can't stress enough the importance of anybody, you know, not just say somebody who you know lives with depression or some kind of mental health issue. Like right now, you know, literally the whole world is going through trauma at the same time. And I, I think it's impossible not to be somehow impacted by that collective anxiety. So I think even just checking in with people day to day, hey, how's it going? And, and sometimes that is enough to just open that door. Well, and then if somebody does share with you, you know, just, I, what I ask is how can I support you? It's, I think one of the worst things to do is give advice, especially because you have no idea what that person's going through. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because they may not be in the mood to talk on the phone. That may be something that, what works for you may not work for somebody else, right? Where you maybe um, you know, would like to have a phone call or would like to meet up with somebody, you know, maybe somebody else would just like to text or they would just like to go watch Netflix and tune out for a couple hours, you know? And so asking, hey, how can I support you? It also just shows that you are willing to be a support, that you're there, you know? And then that can just, that means a lot, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have any other memories of someone doing something for you when you were, you know, in the pit that, that helped you get out? Or at least know you're not alone in it?
2: Yeah, I, I, I would, yeah, a friend told me at one point in time, you know, basically he said, you know what, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but it makes sense. He said, look at all the stress that's happened this year. Look at all the things that are going on, you know. And this is, I, basically he validated, he said, I understand. Why you'd feel this way. It's overwhelming, you know, but, um, and that just, just that validation, you know, as opposed to, you know, in the past, Oh, what do you have to be depressed about? You know, Mm
1: -hmm. you feel anxious because these are anxious times, you know, you feel sad because something sad is happening, even if it's internally. Right. You ended your post in a very loving and lovely way. I thought you wrote for whomever needs to hear this right now, Please keep going. Things do get better. It's a journey and it's worth it. I am living proof. Not every day is a fantastic day, but I've survived all of my worst ones so far, and so will you. Talk about that a bit.
2: Well, it's true. I mean, I believe that. And I also, the fact that, you know, I think a lot more people are out there feeling this way than they may have shared. Um, I just remember reading um, Rick Springsteen's memoir. And uh, just, he was so open about, you know, having like suicidal ideation and, you know, as a child, uh, making an attempt to be having bad depression. And he said, you know, on my best days, I'm happy with my wife, my family, my music. On my worst days, I feel like driving into a tree. Most days are somewhere in between. And that really resonated. You know, yeah, some days are really going to suck. You know, and you may be in that bad place again and just like try to, you know, focus and remember that you have gotten through the other ones, you know, and that, you know, see how you feel tomorrow. See how you feel, you know, when you have talked to a friend. See how you feel when you've had some food. It's just those little checklists of things. Um, And not to, you know, Pollyanna anything or, you know, put a spin on something that's not there. But it's like this is treatable. It's normal. It's common, you know, and sometimes things are just going to be collectively difficult. And so we, we need to be there checking on each other. When you say not being Pollyanna,
1: there are times that I have said things can and do get better. And I get pushback, not always, you know, or not for me. And there are people who seem to live with this chronically.
2: Well, I, I live with it chronically. And I think in my dark moments, I would think, well, not for me. You know, I mean, I think that's a gut response from a lot of pain. Um, and, you know, like the most recent time I was in just a very, very bad place. I just said, you know, what? it's just never going to get better. And I couldn't believe that came out of my mouth. And I felt that way in that moment. But I didn't a couple of hours after that. You know what I mean? They say like faith is belief without proof. I have proof. You're proof. I'm proof you know, that this can't, doesn't mean every day is going to be fantastic or depression is never going to come creeping in again. Um, and it's, it's work. Recovery is work, right? But it's worth it. And it definitely, I don't, I don't think saying that recovery is possible and things can get better is being toxically positive. I think it's just the reality and it's true. Hey, you know, just like it can be really bad. It can also be really good.
0: I really appreciate that reminder to give support and support can look like anything you know it can be a small gesture of attention you know noticing kindness it can make a world of difference but to not go to that place of advice I really like that reminder oh my goodness yes yeah and and the fact that support can be Speaking honestly and openly about your own experience because that directly translates to the person that you're speaking to that they're not alone in this experience. You, mm-hmm. you know, your your experience is, is yours and different, but it's it's still <laughs> the same big experience. Yes.
1: I'm going to read from my transcript here from the end of Michelle's interview. She said... Uh, I felt that way, right? The things were never going to get better. But I didn't a couple of hours after that. And I mm-hmm. just had a huge star next to it. It's like, you know, I'm going to have that tattooed somewhere. And then she said, they say, faith is belief without proof. I have proof. You're proof. I'm proof. And it's just, again, one of those things where you want to take a deep breath and let that sink in for a second. Because every time we get through it, it's proof you can get through it. And I think that's really important to remember because every single time depression tells you you're not going to and that it's never going to change.
0: Absolutely. It certainly doesn't feel that way Mm -hmm. when you're in it. But again, we have to stay like zoomed out and look at our history and look at everyone who's honest and brave enough to share their history that there's a pattern here. You know, it gets better. It can come and it can go. It can stay away for a really long time. And she said, "In a few hours." Yes, I've heard did. people say, "In a few minutes." Yep. You know, it 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 changes. Well, and again, up, that doesn't mean that everything's perfect all of a sudden. And la la right. la, life is grand. You right. know, but you can go from despair to something lighter than despair. Mm-hmm. You know, in in moments, sometimes not always, but sometimes. Yep.
1: I want to read an example. Um, someone who had been writing on the. Giving Voice to depression Facebook community page. And however I responded must have indicated that I was not in the best place myself. And then I got this note. Um, I'm sure you have an army of people that when you're having a shitty day, month, or year are ready and willing to lend an ear or go for a walk or whatever helps. But if you'd like to go for a walk or a bike ride or a cup of coffee, keep me in mind and have a better night. Nice. Right? And I thought, it is that simple and it's the first such text I've ever received. Um, and I don't tend to send that. So it was just yet another reminder, right, to go take a silly selfie, um, be willing to take a walk or a bike ride or have a cup of coffee with somebody. And, and that is suicide prevention. You know, that's mm-hmm. all kinds of mm-hmm. things. It's being a decent human being and giving a damn. But it's also suicide prevention, and we, we just can't keep it in that huge, scary category. It has to be in the Being kind to each other is
0: that so, Terry? That really reminds me of an article that you wrote a while back in the Mighty, and um, I think I'm going to try to pull it up on my computer here because I think it's really good. It says, um, "Suicide prevention." Those two words can provoke an instant catch in your throat and a sudden urge to change the subject. It's just too big of a topic, too scary, too high stakes. And, and I mean, my hands are sweating a little bit right now, just even thinking about if I was with someone that, you know, all of a sudden I needed to show up for them in a, in a way that feels super, super big. But you go on to say that, and that's partly because we think of it as stepping into a dangerous situation at the last possible moment to stop a fatal act. I mean, that's, Big. That is big. big. That is scary. Those stakes are high. But then here, here, here's what I just love that you wrote. You said suicide prevention is a million caring acts way before a person. I have a catch in my throat just even Mm -hmm. reading it. But suicide prevention is a million caring acts way before a person is in physical danger. It's following up. How are you? With eye contact and a second question. Really. When they answer fine, even though they don't seem fine, it's noticing that your friend or your siblings or your coworker is different, just different, not yourself. And taking the time to acknowledge that you don't have to get all up in their business. You can simply say, I've noticed that you seem different lately. And I want you to know that I am more than willing to talk with you or just listen and not say a word if you're willing to share. It can be offering to drop by with sandwiches, to watch a movie with a clear understanding that you just want to spend time with them and that you won't pepper them with questions. Okay, you got to stop reading because now
1: I'm okay. getting teary even though I, I know, wrote it. I know! I am too! It's a
0: really <laughs> beautiful article, Terry. You're such a good writer.
1: Thank you, but it would really... Think of what that would mean if someone said to you, you know what, I know you say you're fine, you don't seem fine to me, I'm bringing over dinner and you don't have to talk to me. Because that was one of the lines Michelle used. She said it was something, it was connecting without having to do much. And when I think of like someone saying, I'll bring over dinner, I think, leave me alone leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to eat with you. I don't, don't want come, to clean don't come, don't up come, don't for don't you. Yeah. But these other things, you know, there's always something. And, and that challenge that Michelle just talked about, they didn't see each other. He didn't see her place, whatever that is. You know, he didn't evaluate her if she had showered recently or what she was wearing. You know, it was go buy yourself a cup of coffee, send a selfie. And it worked. So again, we just want to remind people. That we can help each other and that we can help ourselves and that it doesn't last. And, and sort of ending Suicide Prevention Month is over by the time this airs. But suicide prevention isn't over, and we cannot only pay attention to that for a month or right. a year. So that's right. Um, I thank you, Bridget, for reading that, for reminding me of that it's, article. Um, and to Mich- know, how,
0: how can people see that article, Terry? It's the mighty, I know that, but I'll I don't have link. a date or anything. I'll try to link to it. Good. I love you. I love you too, hon. I'm here for you. I know, and it means the world to me. Mm. And, And, you know, probably the truth is that we each have an army of people that we could call and reach out, but we don't. I mean, we might have them, but we don't reach out. Nope. And they don't reach in, to be honest. And I don't don't want to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. And that's why we have to reach into people when, when we think that they're a little bit off because they might be like us, the types who just pull a blanket over their head and say, yeah, no, leave me alone. So,
0: We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's.
1: We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road.
0: And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.